0: buddy and welcome to a brand new episode of the two-point conversation football talk for fans by fans right here on the network at bicbp-radio.com my name is matt johnson one of your hosts and alongside with me for our typical film room episodes uh mr brian finch brian how you doing my man i'm fantastic we finally
1: thought out i uh my voice is still rather rough, which I think is 90% due to the fact that I was screaming my head off at the Bills game. And Understandably the other, so. The other 10% might might be a little touch of some kind of illness or something going on.
0: Possibly. It's all right. It, right. Yeah. Do you guys have a good time? I mean, obviously you did. It was it, a it, blast. Good. It literally, I mean, no
1: hyperbole, the best night of my life. Minus my wedding, my wife and I have been joking the whole time that like, this is even better than our wedding. Our wedding was pretty awesome; it, oh. it was a blast. Like our party, it, it, our our wedding was a huge party.
0: I my wedding was a blur, so it's easy to find. Like it, as far as importance goes, it's always it's always going to be up there. But my wedding was such a blur; it's like oh, pictures here, pictures there, you know, this that, boom, boom, boom. So it's easy to to find like a day that's like much more enjoyable, but symbolically, yeah, it, it's it's hard to pick a better day than a wedding day. Yeah, so I get that. I definitely I definitely understand that. Yeah. Um, so I went into the game asking people,
1: and uh, if you follow me on Facebook, which you know, kudos to you for sticking it out. If you do, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I made a list of games just off the top of my head, like literally just games that I've gone to that were off the top of my head that I can remember good bad or whatever. And 100% the best game that I'd ever attended as a Bills game as a Bills fan was the 31 nothing blank of the Patriots back in 2001 with Sam Adams recovering the fumble, running it down for the score. He makes the Sports Illustrated cover like it's a a big moment in Bills history cuz yeah. You know, the Patriots had just started their dynasty and we were kind of a laughing stock, you know, coming out of the 90s, so it was a big moment. So I had a lot uh to top that kind of a game. And yeah, forty seven to seventeen with Josh Allen literally doing everything he everything. wanted to, having more touchdowns and incompletions, five to four, like just I you couldn't you couldn't draw it up any better.
0: No. No, it was uh it was definitely a spectacle. I was half asleep. I was like, man, I was hoping this game would be a little bit more competitive. <laughs> you call you called me and uh you called me and I was just like I'm ready for bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's night night. Um I right face timing like five different
1: people, nobody answers. <laughs> <laughs> I had one eye open, one eye shut. I'm like, I I ain't got time for this. I, I think most people are like, I don't want to see this drunk crazy <laughs> bastard on my phone right now i'm just like <laughs> cool for you happy for you blah, blah, blah. uh no i don't want to answer this phone call <laughs>
0: okay. that's pretty much how i felt that's pretty much yeah. how i felt um so yeah so today we're, we normally we obviously we do the film room last week we had our awesome interview with JTO sullivan uh from the qb school we want to thank him once again for uh, giving us as much time as he did, I couldn't believe we got fifty something minutes out of him. Very, very generous with his time, and uh, a great, great guy. A lot of great insight. Happy to learn from him. We're a little snowed in right now in Western New York, <laughs> and that a little is probably an understatement. Uh, I woke up this morning with foot like uh, like probably several feet of snow up to my knees. I try to take Prince out my dog and he looked at me, he goes, nah, fam. And he went up, he went back upstairs and, uh, and he's like, I, no, you stupid. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm going to work by. And, uh, yeah, it was a nightmare <laughs> a nightmare coming home from work. So I'm like, Brian, we got to. I can't go to the studio. There's no way in heck that, uh, I can I can go to the studio on the good laptop and get some film started. Let's just throw together a fun a fun little episode, something quick, something not necessarily quick, but just something easy, um, but current topic related as well. And, and we came up with what we got today. Yeah. So today what we're going to do, we're going to just run through some of the skill positions, you know, are, are everybody's favorite uh, positions. Really, if you're a fancy football player, these are the four most important positions in football. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, and uh, just kind of go, just give our thoughts on a top five for each position, discuss it a little bit, and um, and why we put each one there, and then afterwards uh, we're going to do losers' club. We got four teams to go through to make up for the two we missed last week. We have Cleveland, Baltimore, Mm -hmm. Minnesota, Minnesota, and Denver. Denver. So we got four teams to run through there as far as what we think uh, they should do, of course, to kind of get back on track, what their first obligation should be this upcoming off season. So let's get this thing underway. Uh, let's start off with the quarterbacks first, right? Everybody's kind of favorite position. If you listen to the listeners, if you listen to our discussion topic episodes with myself and Jaws, I kind of did. I did one very similar to this. Yeah, uh, just a couple days, just last week. Um, so at least just the quarterbacks, the other positions, not so much, but um, I will run through it again for those who may have not listened and uh, maybe give a little bit of a different perspective on, on why I chose what I chose. So uh, Brian, let's start off with our number five. The number
1: five quarterback, in my opinion, this year is Derek Carr. And the reason that Derek Carr shows up here in the top five, where other guys may have had better stats or definitely better records, if it wasn't for his leadership, if it wasn't for, you know, his guidance, I don't think that Raiders team sniffs the playoffs. Like I like after firing Gruden and everything else that went on with that team, without a guy like Derek Carr, you just don't end up in that position and I don't think he gets enough love. We've talked about this many a times on the show and Derek Carr is my dude here at number five. And in in fact, I wish there was like a whole nother category of just like dudes with heart, like Derek
0: Carr's top, you know, maybe number one. Top dog. Absolutely. I will, I will not, I will not disagree with that. I do not have him in my top five. He definitely was in my top 10, Last week, and I have no problem doing that. He had a he had a tremendous season this year. Um, One of the, I think, was a top five in passing yards. No, just overcame so much, and oh, just a just a fantastic guy. Uh, Somebody who I I want in Indianapolis probably more than anything right about now. Um, My number five. This is where I have. This is where I have Joe Burrow. This is where I have Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow could eclipse several um I think it, it could eclipse a couple of these people on here. I feel like he, he's I mean, he's in a great situation right now in Cincinnati, and that's why I felt like five number 5 was appropriate for him and where he's at. I had I've had so much fun watching Joe Burrow uh play ball this year, right? We were concerned. You and I talked uh, we didn't know what to expect from Joe Burrow coming into this year with his, you know, he had that just, just blown up, exploded leg uh, last year. And and people were saying that his training camp wasn't looking too good. And then he came out of the scene this year and it just felt different. It felt good. You know, Cincinnati was like five, like they were the number one seed in the AFC at one point. Uh and it just felt different. It didn't feel fluky like when, you know, the last couple of times where like Andy Dalton had the team like in the third or fourth or second seed. It just felt different. And a lot of that is attributed to to Joe Burrow and his ability to play and sling. So I I'm very happy for Joe Burrow. I don't want to curse his career, but I do want a jersey of his. Uh, he's he's a he's a he's a top notch guy. And, you know, I, in my opinion, I think he's earned tier one status. Mm-hmm. It, it, absolutely. I mean, if tier one, you know, tiers really mean anything to anybody, I, I would dare so say that Joe Burrow is tier one status for me. So, yeah. You know me, giant Joe Burrow fan. <clears throat> absolutely.
1: Um, this is where I would probably slide in Joe Burrow. I'd probably put him at four. And... His chemistry with Jamar Chase and then obviously T. Higgins, plus you got Tyler Boyd in there. Um, the swagger he brings <clears throat> every week. It's unmatched in a lot of ways. Some guys have swagger just built on reputation. You know, Aaron Rodgers got swagger, but I mean, how much of that is just because he's done it for this long? You know, Tom Brady, same thing, but Joe Burrell's got nothing to be swaggy about really like he hasn't earned his stripes yet. No pun intended. He's so cool. <laughs> but he's so cool. He's, he's always been that dude ever since he was at even Ohio state. I hear like, that's the reason that he transferred is because he goes, no man, like I need to lead a team. Like people follow me. I I, I bring a different element. His, his arm talent along with, is just daring to just make a play. He's always willing to make that play. Very proud of where he's done already. Very proud of the Cincinnati Bengals, a franchise I can get behind as a Bills fan. You know, Very similar paths our franchises have taken here. And Joe Burrow deserves to be a top-five quarterback, recognized, at least in the NFL.
0: Absolutely. I, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if Cincinnati finds themselves in the AFC Championship game it really won they have a pretty favorable matchup against Tennessee this week. You know, Tennessee has been Tennessee has been resilient this year. A really really uh, you know, they they've they've won in a lot of different ways, but my god, I I could really see Cincinnati getting past them. I really could. Yeah. Um my number 4 is where I have Patrick Mahomes. All right. Probably people a little surprised about that. Mahomes took a, a slight dip for me this year. This is probably his most mistake heavy year um, that he's had. It's still a significant one. I don't want to take anything away from that. But, um, but you know, it, Mahomes can't be king every single year, right? Uh, he, he, just a lot of dumb interceptions, you know. Uh, I try to look past, uh, you know, and I thought when it comes to Mahomes, you know, I try to look past his dumb family and all that stuff. I cannot stand them. Brian and I have talked about it. I hate Jackson's face. <laughs> he looks like the 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 office lady from Monsters Inc. Wazowski with the haircut oh, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> but um but I can't take away from what Mahomes does. He he defies logic. He defies quarterback technique, no look passes and uh, thrown across the body and all that stuff. He's an amazing and tremendous football player. I do think he's been spoiled his entire his, his entire career, as, as far as his supporting cast goes, and he's done a really good job of uh, you know, elevating, you know, out- elevating some of those other guys you wouldn't necessarily think um have any business being on a championship level team. Mm-hmm. Uh but he's done a damn good job of it. But um Mahomes for me, looking back, You know, no bias, you know, not having, you know, I've seen him play enough, but just kind of sitting back and taking his name value out of it. uh, I think four is a pretty appropriate spot. Yeah,
1: definitely recognizes, you know, the, the name, you know, it's you have to have him in your top five just based on, you know, he's having a better year than most quarterbacks, but at the same time, you know, he's not
0: having the same year that he's had in previous years. Right. His, his, his worst year is better than, you know, what's the phrase? His worst year is better than some people's best years.
1: Sure. Definitely the case. Um, (laughs) Uh, Here's where I will slide in Patrick Mahomes as well. Patrick Mahomes has taken a step back this year. Um, I don't know if there's an injury involved or whatever. It's just, they had a huge, um, uh, speed bump in the beginning of the year. And they just struggle to get on track. You know, it would have been nice if someone would have called that on a, a podcast and said that they were going to struggle to get out of the gates. But, um, oh, wait, that was me. I did that. And, uh, <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Mahomes has picked it up late and, uh, they look like they are firing in all cylinders again. And he still does stuff that very few quarterbacks can do. And, I, I could have not imagine many seasons where he's not a top three, top two quarterback.
0: Right. You know, something would dramatically have to happen for that, to, for that to change. He's, he's there. Mm-hmm. All right, dudes. Uh, and you know, good on him. The money never changed him. Right. The, never, the money never changed him. He still comes out and still preps and still plays hard. Every single time he steps out. So a great leader, you know, KC uh, was, Pretty dang good before he came along, but he, he, uh, you know what I mean? You expected to see Casey in the playoffs every year, pre, pre Patrick Mahomes, but you know, they weren't going to do any damage. There was like a two or three year stretch where like, like almost every, they were getting bounced by like Pittsburgh. And then, you know what I mean? Now they're, they're AFC champion. It's like an AFC championship game at the worst. Yeah. So that's, that's how good they've gotten. Um, Number three is where I have Josh Allen. Number three is where I have Josh Allen. I thought a lot about this one. I'm like, man, how do I put him ahead of of Mahomes? How do I put him ahead of Burrow? And again, stepping back, looking at it from what it is, you know, for, what Josh Allen has done this year, he is the offense. All right, this is actually like this offense was was firing on uh, all cylinders this year for the most part, but. Man, Josh Allen had to do a lot on his own. This wasn't Stefan Diggs' best season. It wasn't Cole Beasley's best season. It wasn't Emmanuel Sanders' best season. It wasn't um well, it was probably Gabriel Davis' one of Gabriel Davis' better seasons. Uh definitely Dawson Knox's better seasons. But Josh Allen, you know, found himself, especially with some of the, the offensive line play that he had to overcome this year. Um, he found himself still having to do a lot of legwork. And he did, he is the bills offense. Like, you know, you can plug and play certain pretty good quarterbacks in there in this bills offense. There's some really good, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of good help out there, but it's, it just wouldn't look the same without a guy who can run and be as mobile as, as Josh Allen can be. It's a, uh, you know, it's a big credit to him. He's like, it's, it's so, it is fun to watch him. I know, um, I know I like to rip on the bills for whatever reason that I do, but um, you can't deny, you can't deny talent. You can't deny greatness. Like it's crazy how good Josh Allen has gotten, you know, another one who got paid and didn't change. See a lot of guys get that money, get that pay, that, that nice extension and just fall off a cliff. Yeah. And, uh, Josh Allen, I know it was a it was a little bit it was still a pretty rough it was kind of a rough year for him. I can't say that, you know, he sit here and say that he, you know, he made fewer mistakes than than Patrick Mahomes, but I just I, I the eye test. I, I refer to the eye test a lot in here, and Josh Allen is that offense. So Yeah. Uh
1: no regression as much as everyone wanted to see it had not everyone, but a lot of people had rooting interest in seeing a regression to prove themselves right. Which is a weird thing to do. Remind, like, don't do, don't be that guy. No one enjoys that guy. No <laughs> one wants to see the guy that just wants to toot his own horn for, you know. They, like, if the the Chiefs would have ran out the first eight games and finished you know, or eight, no, I I wouldn't have been pissed off because my prediction was wrong. I would have been like, damn, here they go again. You know. <laughs> so don't be that guy. Always always try and pick people up. It's it's it'll serve you in the long run. Uh, So being a Josh Allen denier when he was drafted to where he is now, it's easy for me to put him in the top five. It's easy to put him in the top three. And in this case, he ends up number two for me. Um, But real quick, let me look at the list of players that will be left off. So Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, all are in potential of being left off the top five. How does that strike you
0: before I before we get to number 1? Surprising. Surpri- yeah. Matthew Stafford, I understand. Okay. Matthew Stafford, I understand. He started off hot, but he just uh, he he was Detroit Matthew Stafford at some points of the season just with proper help and, you know, and foundation. But um yeah, I I don't know who i mean i i understand either like taking off maybe brady or rogers but i'm a little i'm a little surprised so yeah
1: it's hard to do um it's really i think it's Derek card that screwed everything up with this oh it definitely is but it, it was just i i needed to recognize just how important he was to that raiders organization and as important as Aaron Rodgers has been, and obviously Tom Brady has been to the bucks, you know, they're nothing without Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a below 500 team. Probably with it's, them.
0: it's legitimately proven. It's legitimately proven that that's what they are. You literally went from a majority of the same roster in 2018. I don't know. It was 2019 to switching quarterbacks in 2020. And night and day difference. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So Josh to finish on Josh, I'm just, I mean the the guy keeps growing. He keeps proving people wrong. He's breaking setting records. I don't even know if it's breaking records because to be the first quarterback in four years to you know, have so many yards passing and so many yards rushing is a silly stat and not necessarily a quarterback holy stat because it's hard to imagine a guy like Justin Herbert ever touching anything like that, but that's you can't knock Justin for that. He's an amazing quarterback too. Absolutely. So, so, Absolutely. So, Josh Allen is the unicorn in this uh just like we thought Lamar Jackson was and uh I'm interested to see who your number 2 is. Uh
0: my number 2, this is where I have this is where I have Rodgers. Okay. Um this is where I have Aaron Rodgers and honestly like and some, it's just a lot of these are interchangeable. I know it's easy to put Rogers towards the top of any top five list at this point, based on what he has done, right? Legacy, all that stuff. But you know, when it comes to Rogers, it, he just makes everything just seem so effortless. He just, in that, he's still doing it to this day, right? Everybody, you know, ragging on him for this and that, and his character and, and his. Endless media scrutiny that Rogers gets, and on field he is one. He is legitimately one of the best of all time. Still has I forget. I always forget the ratio. I, I should know this by now. He has not thrown a hundred interceptions yet in his career.
1: Right.
0: And, and it's you know it's continued this year. He's throwing to you know he's he's he, he's just he's, he's making stars out of guys who have no business being stars if that makes any sense right the, the whole yeah. team foundation around him he's got a defense and just mechanically he's he's legit one of the best to ever play the game everything the total package the accuracy the you know the, the the ball placement deep throw um making reads all that probably legit one of the smartest quarterbacks of all time and you know aside from the the opening week game against against New Orleans and the one the one game he missed against KC, you know uh, there was, they were they were there, they, you know they, they were there in every single game, mm. uh, tremendous record. I know the division wasn't that great, but you know a lot of that is Aaron Rodgers. There's such a dependency on him. You take that away, we've seen it. They, they had Jordan Love as their quarterback against Kansas City when he was out with his COVID, and uh, the team just did not look the same. Aaron Rodgers elevates that team. Um, I legitimately think that this, and I, I want to believe that this is their year as far as the NFC goes, um, and, and make going all the way. Very easy to
1: see, especially having home field advantage to go through Lambeau. So such a tough place to play. So uh, this brings us to number one, and it is Tom Bree. Yeah, do what he's doing, throwing for fifty 53- three hundred yards this year at age 45. Is that how old he is? How old is Tom Brady? How old he's 45. It's bonkers. Isn't it? It's bonkers. Um and I it really came down just like the MVP it's gonna come down between Brady and Rogers. It looks like Rogers has got the lead if you go by the all pro. Voters, which are the same people that are going to vote for the MVP, yeah. So they were already leaning towards Rodgers. So I went ahead and I pulled up his career stats. All right, I I was like, all right. Well, obviously Aaron Rodgers does silly things all the time, but where does this year stack up? And if you go across all of his years, take out all the weird injury years, and obviously the years he didn't play. If you take out all those years and you average everything out, he's having an average year this year. This is what he does. It's nothing new. It's nothing crazy. He's thrown for 4,100 yards. He's thrown for 37 touchdowns or something like that. I I just had in front of me. All of it's impressive, but not overly impressive for him. Tom Brady, in a way, found somehow with all the different players getting hurt and coming in the lineup, getting out of the lineup. The offensive line has been great. The defense has let them down. Like that, de- that that team is not the team that played in the Super Bowl. They've had some weird moments, some down moments, and he's been the the consistency, and he found a way to just even step it up. The throw for 5,300 yards this year is just, it's, it's just silly. And uh, that's why Tom Brady ends up number one. Justin Herbert, just to slide him in he probably would be seventh. I probably would have put Rogers Rogers probably is like the top three quarterback, but I don't know, man. He just, it's different. Isn't it weighted different? Isn't it weighted different for that guy? Cause he just does it all the time.
0: Yeah. I, I could see where we're coming from in that regard. Cause Derek Carr had a career year,
1: you know, <laughs> obviously um,
0: Joe Burrow, huge explosion needs to be up there. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, maybe this off season, uh sometimes soon i wouldn't hate being able to rank them all you know everybody who started a game or something like that um yeah no it's 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 and I, I got brady at number 1 as well i got brady at number 1 as well hard to argue that it it is impressive like it it's really truly amazing uh what this guy does his preparation you know Literally a week after they won the Super Bowl last year, you know, they're out work. They're out going out to, you know, they're working. How many guys do that? You don't see me. Maybe you don't see it, but how many guys legitimately do that? They, they go and win a Super Bowl, their season finishes up, and they're out getting ready for the next season, out of the next one. That's something that Tampa Bay football is not used to in the slightest. So I want to give them a lot of credit. I want I want to give Brady a lot of kudos. It is amazing. Like, I legit can't believe that I lived to see him. You know, I, I lived his entire career. These are like, I mean, it's hard. Everybody likes, you know, Michael Jordan. And, you know, Michael Jordan, an incredible athlete, always on. But, you know, what Brady has done well into, you know, his 40s at this point. He could legit be the passing. I think if he has another season, if Tampa signs him for another season, he could probably be their franchise record leader as well in passing yards. That's how bad their quarterback situation is. But as far as career passing yards leaders go, he would be pretty dang close passing touchdowns, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So Brady de facto number one. All right, let's move on to running backs. I'll kick this one off. I got a unique one here. Again, I try not to go too much. I, I try not to go too much off stats and um want to know, you know, see what these guys brought to their team. What did they do um, to really elevate their team? And my number five is probably a little bit of a shocker, a little bit of a surprise. He's not a big name guy at all. But I'm gonna go um, I'm gonna go San Francisco 49ers running back, Elijah Mitchell. All right. 49ers are really, really good at getting people to run the ball well. All right. They've lost a lot of talented guys over the years. There's probably been. We'll call it a handful. Or a handful and a half of really talented guys who've run the football for them over the last couple of years under Kyle Shanahan. Right. I think Brita. I want to say Carlos Hyde. Yeah. I think he was in San Francisco. Hmm. Jarek McKinnon.
1: Yep.
0: Um and Frank there's Gore. been Frank Gore. Well, Frank was nah, Shanahan. Now with Shanahan. Um there's been several others. Who was the oh Christ. Who was the one? He'd bounced around like a bunch of different teams. He got hurt early this this year, too. Mm. I can't remember. He fought for some kind of extension. But, um, but regardless, I completely forgot who it is. Um, but, anyways, Elijah Mitchell, man, it has been such a huge plus for the San Francisco 49ers team. He didn't quite cross a thousand yard rushing. Um, he might have crossed, I'm sure he crossed a thousand yards. Um, I'm sure he crossed a thousand yards in total, total offense. There's no doubt yeah. about it. But, yeah. um, you know just watching him play this past weekend against Dallas and what he was able to do right San Francisco's got a decent a pretty good offensive line a decent one and he's 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 looking to lead out there right and we know that what Jimmy G is we know what the quarterback situation is in San Francisco that team isn't taking off unless a guy like Elijah Mitchell can step up and and be that be that running back make defenses commit to the run Elijah Mitchell was in my opinion a top 5 as far as value goes. As far as being a valuable running back, Elijah Mitchell is top 5. Yeah. 963 rushing yards this year. Yeah. And that's and that's not being the starter all year. Correct? I think he missed straight out missed two games. A couple other ones he had limited reps but you know, he was yeah, he had some he had some serious yardage games. Several under or several over a hundred yard rushing games.
1: Yeah, he uh great offensive playing for a running back. And uh but you also don't get to see on the field if you don't take advantage. And he did. He earned it, he kept that role, and uh he's a big reason why they're playing in the next weekend of playoff games. Yeah, no doubt. What do you got number five? Javante Williams, Javante Williams, mm. rookie running back out of Denver. Javante proved to be an important, integral part of that Denver <laughs> offense. As much as ups and downs that they've had, and as disappointing as that offense can be,
0: even the only as, well, good part of their offense.
1: Well, and, but. We, we all like to talk about it leading up to the year of, you know, they got Jerry Judy, they got Cortland Sutton, they got Noah Fant, they got Melvin Gordon, and then they drafted this kid, Javante Williams. You're like This offense should be something. And the only consistent piece was Javante. And the biggest reason is he's first team all heart. That guy wants it more than you every play, every stinking play. He can contest catches. Like the dude's a legit whiteout in that realm, you know. He's he can be a power back, he can be your scat back. He's he's every running back role rolled into one, and he's only scratching the surface. If they ever could get any sort of competent passing game, I think that dude could be you know up there with the top three, top four running backs in the league. And in this case, he is a uh, he's top five
0: and he he had some of my favorite highlights of the year. Yeah, he ripped off a couple of big time runs and once he becomes the featured back, you know, that that's he's going to be that like he's going to be that guy. He had a you know, a year similar to I think like when Jonathan Taylor was a rookie. They wanted to bring him in slowly. He wasn't the number 1 guy, but he started to slowly turn towards him more. He was sharing reps with Melvin Gordon who, you know, I do uh, he who had a pretty significant year as well, but he did. Um, you know, Javante Williams is going to be scary good and a much needed asset to, to Denver, you know, going forward, that team has no offensive identity, but Javante Williams is a, is a, is like the one standout thing. I don't care for their passing game. I don't care for their receivers. I think, you know, we, we've, we've, we've done some film today. We did a, 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 you know, we did film, we, we caught Cortland Sutton running lazy routes And he just somehow got this massive extension. But like Javante Williams is that guy. As long as he stays upright, Denver's got themselves a stud for the next, you know, at at least five years. And Javante finished 903. Melvin Gordon, his teammate,
1: 918. They almost had two 1000 yard backs. (sighs) So just sprinkle in just a little bit of competent quarterback play. And who knows How about this? Take Derek Carr and plop him into Denver. And oh man, we're probably talking about Denver being in the playoffs.
0: Probably, probably yeah. most likely. Um, number four, I just realized I got three AFC North running backs. Number four, I'm going to put Najee, Najee Harris. As far as value goes, listen, Pittsburgh game, Pittsburgh's run game was nothing to 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 be not. Overall run game was nothing to be like boisterously proud about. They ranked low in a lot of those categories, but it was just because it was just Najee, right? You know, a couple other guys, maybe like, I don't know if they have Benny Snell or whoever, but you know, Najee was good, man. Najee was really, really good uh, this year. And he, you know, we all know that big Ben is not the same thrower that he has been uh, in the past big time throws, but, Najee actually opened up so much more for Big Ben. I found myself enjoying watching Big Ben throw the ball more so this year than I did last year. Uh, you know, he had that old man touch to him. His accuracy was not terrible, but, you know, enough about Big Ben. It's It was about Najee, man. He hit Najee. Najee was a, a receiving-type running back, right, a receiving-based running back. Um, he can do it all. He can definitely do it all. He has. I'm not going to sit here and say he's Le'Veon Bell, but he has those. He has those core traits where he's got to be successful for a long time. And if they upgrade at quarterback, you know, which you know it, it could take some time for that, he's going to be fine. And that offensive line, needs a little bit of work. But Najee was a workhorse, and Pittsburgh is not in the postseason. He's not. The, Pittsburgh is not in the postseason if Najee Harris isn't there. Definitely not. So, as far as value goes, I, I, Najee is a top five for me. Yeah. Uh,
1: maybe not worth exactly taking him in the first round, but you know what? At this point, you'd rather have him on your roster. You know, you'd, you'd rather have him on your roster than not on your roster.
0: Right. And I mean, if you look back at this draft, too, if this draft class, and, you know, I, I'm not a huge advocate for, for, um, I'm not a huge advocate for drafting running backs in the first round, but what else was Pittsburgh going to do? Right at that point, their defense right. is pretty damn solid. They were just outside, I think, where they draft. They were a playoff team, so they weren't getting any of those top five quarterbacks. Yep, yep. You know, if, if hindsight is twenty twenty, I'm sure they would have loved to have a Davis Mills right about now. But um but what else were they going to do? They needed a running back. No James Conner. Um, they needed help and they got it in, 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 in Najee. So, and he, he produced very well, went high in fantasy drafts and, uh, as well. And the dude delivered. So he did. Yeah. Uh,
1: they gambled on the idea that if we bring in this stud running back, maybe he'll be part of the reason we can make a run into the playoffs. And they were right. We were wrong. They were right. Right. Uh, so we're at number four and this is already is a three. No, you're four. It is four. I forgot we went to opposite order. So you mentioned Najee, and it, I want to mention him here, but at the same time, I don't think I can pass up my man Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is a lot of the reason why that Jefferson can go out and have the kind of games that he can. When you have that check down available in the flat, and he can take it from that five yard dump to a forty yard touchdown you You can't just look at the receivers and control the you know the deep shots over the top like you can't just play cover to shell and just wait you know for them to try and throw it over top of you and just keep everything in front of you because that's what they're he's gonna do all game long. He's one of the most complete backs in the league, along with another guy that I'm going to mention here real soon him and Javante williams are I see a lot of similarity in the way those two play the game. Soft hands, great anticipation, un, uh, patience, power through the hole. They have they have a little bit of everything, you know. Just when you think that you got a guy like Delvin Cook lined up, he hits that extra gear. He gets to the corner and he turns it upfield. His only downside is that he struggles to stay healthy. He just mm-hmm. he can't stay on the field. But when he is on the field, there's no denying that guy can be a top five back in the league every single game
0: yeah that's why I, I i spoiler i don't have um i don't have delvin in my top five t did he put up top five yardage oh absolutely dudes dude's amazing top ten no doubt but man you know he was missing in in some very important instances um you know the this i mean the vikings team was just a hot mess this year but but yeah delvin is um Yeah, Delvin, his injury issues have been very concerning. Mm -hmm. Very concerning over the last couple of years. Uh, I'll not forget. I know it's fantasy related, but Ryan, our buddy Ryan, drafted him. It was easy. He just fell right to him in our fantasy league. And it just, uh, he was was hurt often. You know, he still had, I think, 1,400-something total yards, but – you know when you need dependability is everything availability is everything but i do like dalvin cook i just think that this year he, i i had a hard time putting him justifying putting him in a top 5 but i completely get why you did he is he is a tremendous running back tremendous running back they they did a really good job you know getting him and and just making him an integral part of their offense whoever's the next head coach is really really fortunate mm-hmm. to take them over um number 3 is, I guess, similarly, um, si- similar to Dalvin Cook in a way, as far as injuries and stuff go. But, man, this dude is legitimately his entire team as far as their offense goes. This is where I'm going to put Nick Chubb yeah, as far as value goes. And I know, like, that the Browns, you know, close to the playoffs, but not really. Their year was just snake bit from the get-go um so much went wrong OBJ injuries to Baker uh somehow their wide receivers got worse even though they didn't really change too much personnel um you know it just everything just didn't work but the one constant you know Kareem Hunt getting injured mm. but the one constant was Nick Chubb uh injuries to him you know it, this is and this is why I justify putting him in over, over Dalvin Cook. You know, there is a lot going on. You know, Minnesota has a lot of different important facets, right? To their offense. Um, Phelan, Jefferson, Kirk's actually a lot better of a quarterback than people want to give him credit for. I would take that over Carson Wentz in a heartbeat, but that's neither here nor there. Um Nick Chubb is legitimately the only person worth a damn on that on that Cleveland Browns offense. And he was repeatedly producing at a very, very high level, yeah. very, very high level every single year, even with injuries. You know, he's still getting thousand yard rushing seasons. And I, I you know, I believe he's, he's has, you know, several receiving yards and stuff as well. So um, Nick Chubb at number three is uh, it's yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty fair. Chubb is really, really good at what he does. Really, really good at what he does.
1: I will select a fellow AFC North running back here. Here's where I will have Joe Mixon coming in as my number three. As big as Joe Burrow's year was, uh, I think we can all admit that he doesn't have as easy of a time if it's not because of Joe Mixon finally reaching his potential, finally hitting that ceiling that we all knew he had that real game breaker, just as much as everyone's talking about Jamar chase or T Higgins or whatever. Um, hell, even that Uzoma guy had his moments this year, right? Yeah. So to, to the fact that he is a lot of times the third or fourth option, and he still put up those numbers uh, phenomenal, you know, 1200 yards rushing. And I was just doing his yards per carry. Phenomenal yards per carry. Not as good as Nick Chubb's yard per carry. When we get to him on my list, my goodness, did he have a year. <laughs> uh, jo- Joe Mixon, though, finally showing off those those soft hands, how to take the, you know, the yak master. He is phenomenal in the screen game. Uh, so slippery. And um, he's been keeping his nose clean, staying out of the news. So, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> No, no that's, doubt. That's no the doubt. only thing that I ever like would knock him about is like, yeah, he does this, he does that. But it's like, man, he's got that huge cloud hanging over him. So <laughs> hopefully he's learned. He seems like he's one of those guys that, that seems like he made mistakes and he's owned them and he's growing for
0: it. Absolutely. I have, uh, I have Joe Mixon at number two, I think. Yeah. I, so we the strength of Joe Mixon, I thought Joe Mixon has been, um i think joe mixon has benefited from a better passing game versus um versus vice versa like what you said you you said that you know and, and i don't disagree with you that joe mixon helping out you know stepping up has been really good for you know the passing game but i think the passing game has been really really good for joe mixon this year and that helped elevate him so much i i I hated the idea of Joe Mixon. You know, when you pass him in fantasy, you get an opportunity to draft him this year. And I was just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And he's one of two Bengals who I regret passing over um, this past year. Joe Mixon finally became not the only weapon. (laughs) Does that make sense? Is that English? Um, He is not the only guy. Not the only guy, uh, you know. That was a weapon for a couple of years now. It's been Joe Mixon, and you know they slid, they added on pieces, right? And you got T. Higgins. Okay, T's pretty damn good, but yeah. Joe Mixon's still a superstar. These defenses are committed to the run now with a with a better pass game. You have three guys who could be wide receiver one anywhere. It forces defenses to not just to stack the box and let Joe Mixon kind of be. And I've seen him rip off some, some big runs. I think we watched him rip off a pretty big run. Um, I might've been against Pittsburgh. I think it it was it him. We did the, he did the redirection thing. Was it him? Yeah. Um, This was definitely Joe Mixon's best year. And it's because the team got a little bit more complete that Joe Mixon was able to, do as well and it just everything just complemented each other and Joe Mixon was all the better for it yeah. but the Bengals were all the better for it yeah easy
1: pick there Uh so now that we're in the top two I think the top two are pretty easy to pick out Uh I'll, I'll leave the the obvious one at one and I'll, we'll, we'll put in Nick Chubb who also struggled to stay in the field just like Delvin Cook did Uh but here's something that Delvin Cook didn't do Nick Chubb had 1,259 yards rushing. Uh, Are you looking at the stats right now? I have them up, yes. Okay, do you have them memorized? Can can you look at me for a second? I want to make sure you're not looking. (laughs) Uh, Off the top of your head, to reach 1,259 yards rushing, how many attempts do you think he had? Um, I'm going to
0: go... Let's see. I'll say like 110. Mm -mm. Higher? Way more? more? Double it, at least. 200 attempts? He had 228
1: attempts this year. Damn, I was way off. That's that's an average, Matt, that's an average of five and a half yards of carry. Damn, I was way the hell off. (laughs) I'm just highlighting that. Limited touches, limited time on the field guy didn't miss a step right he's still that dude you wish you could bring him into the pass game a little more that's the only downside to nick chubb he's not great in the pass game for whatever reason it's just nothing that's never developed but at some point dude who gives a shit you know what i mean (laughs) hand him a ball give give him a fullback to take out that linebacker and then just watch what he does to the secondary in the open field because there's I don't know many people that can take him down. He's stronger than you. He's faster than you. You know, you really need to bog him down in order for him to not be effective. If if he gets that little crease, he's so fast. Right. His, his, his zero to 60, if he was a race car, you know what I mean? If he was a sports car, is top notch. You know, that guy is throttling it immediately and uh, hitting the afterburners. One of my favorite running backs in the league, uh, I kind of want him to get out of Cleveland. <laughs> he fits. He fits this, the Stefanski. He offense. will. I think he will. He will. But he for right now, you know that offense needs him. They utilize him right. They know how to use him. They, they everything's good in that. But uh, I, I would just like to see him. I don't know. Maybe maybe he can end up going to. Uh, what's a good up and coming team, the Jets. <laughs> how dare you, Michael Carter? Michael Carter III says no. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, but but Nick Chubb, um, it, he is the the pride and the uh, the heartbeat of Cleveland. Man. You can, you, I would love to have some Cleveland fans on and just talk, have them talk about watching
0: Nick Chubb and what it what it's like. Especially, this. absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think we both agree at number one. There's not much mm-hmm. debate about this. Uh, it's Jonathan Taylor. It is. Uh, Colts are a six-win team if they do not have Jonathan Taylor this year. Maybe seven. Huh?
1: That's it very
0: possible? It's very... I, I, it is. Right? They, they, the, the entire identity of the offense was became run-heavy. Like, crazy run-heavy. You know? We like to talk about Derrick Henry and, and how much he means the Titans' offense and and this and that, you know, but at least Tannehill can throw the ball and mix it up and have two 300 yard performances when you need him to. Derrick County a big aspect to that, committing, you know, it, it definitely helps, but, you know, it was legitimately Jonathan Taylor versus the world this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has like, he's like first and second technically as far as total rushing yards and then yards after contact. You know, his yards, yards after contact is like higher than the second highest rusher. I think it like more than Nick Chubb's rushing yards. Well, there's three, success. or is it three? Or is it it might be three? You know yeah. what,
1: well, dude, you, you're probably right because there's a 600 almost a 600 yard difference between him and the next two guys. Yeah, three guys.
0: So, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 pretty insane. I'm excited for JT. I really hope that this team doesn't waste him away, and you know, uh, waste his talents. It's it's legitimately crazy that this dude is an MVP candidate, bunch of hundred-yard rushing games, bunch of touchdowns, and uh, you know, it's he's he's just that good. What do you, what do he find in the second round, right? Mm-hmm. What do you, what do he steal? But yeah, if if the Colts don't have him, they're a, they're a, they're They're drafted in the top 10 this
1: year. 5.45 yards per rush average on 330 attempts. That's just not getting tired. That's just not getting, you know, bogged down by the carries and the load. Like, that's phenomenal. And to add on to the fact that that dude had some of the most carries in collegiate history, right? It wasn't like he went to a school where there was a lot of passing he went to Wisconsin where that's all they do is slam the ball. And he was that guy. He was the, he was the wrecking ball. They would throw at defenses and he doesn't seem to be bogged down by that. He's not bogged down by underperforming passing offense. You know, the, the lack of weapons in the passing game didn't even, it didn't matter if you knew he was coming. It didn't because once he gets that little bit of crease, His stiff arms phenomenal. His, I I love when he when he gets the high step going a little bit through the hole. Oh yeah, and and people are trying to dive at his legs and stuff, and he's just like stepping right through it, like you're not even there. (laughs) I mean, it's you know who he reminds me of with being a little bit bigger. He's got a lot of uh, like MJD to him. He's so thick. So yeah, don't don't try and tackle those monster thighs, dude. He's going to shake you off like you're not even there.
0: He's that good, yeah. And he, he's
1: he's he's a great guy, a phenomenal leader,
0: very and humble. You, you very guys humble. are lucky
1: to have him because honestly, he he's going to be one of those guys you remember for years of just the way he carries himself, and the way he, you know, a, 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 a contributor in the community and
0: things like that. So, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, so let's move on to wide receivers next. Let's move on to wide receivers next. Watch, uh, kick us off with your number five. This is tricky. Um,
1: yeah. because there was there's so much to take away from a single wide receiver for a single team. So like not to say that he's my number five, but DJ Morris put up four straight one thousand yard seasons with terrible quarterback. <laughs> play. Just yeah. atrocious quarterback. I'm really glad play. you brought him up.
0: That's a good yeah. one.
1: DJ Moore just finished. He only had four touchdowns, so he's not going to make the list because of that. But he finished with 1,157 yards, and it's just a four straight time, and it's just like he has nobody. There's nobody throwing him the ball. Um, another guy that comes to mind is Deontay Johnson for Pittsburgh. Like, how the heck did this guy bring in 100 catches and 1,100 yards with Ben Roethlisberger arm basically falling off his body right now. Yeah,
0: there was a lot of 1,000-yard receivers this year. It was actually pretty surprising. Yeah. So the guy that I actually will put five, and
1: maybe it's not fair, maybe it is, I don't know, but um, Debo Samuel. He's my number five as
0: well. He's my number five as well.
1: He takes advantage of every snap. Every snap, he gives you, maximum effort whether he's running the ball catching those little screens or just taking the top off the defense guy can literally change a game in a heartbeat and they're finally realizing his potential and he's so humble did you catch his interview by the nickelodeon kid after the game oh yeah oh my yeah. god that's so fun he's i'm just, a huge Debo fan he's just like a big kid i love him so yeah, big fan from afar on the uh, East Coast here watching a West Coast guy. It was fun to watch him last night. And, uh, yeah, Debo Sanders scratch scratching the surface, man. Watch out.
0: Yeah, Debo's everything that Taysom Hill wishes he was. Um, yeah, yeah I, I went there. Debo is the ultimate weapon. He can throw. We've seen him throw some. We've he, thrown some touchdowns this year. Yeah, but right? he can't be a he can't be a, a punter protector in a pump formation. <sighs> yeah, that's right. Oh, you got me there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, this dude is taking you know like handoffs. He, he can he's so quick. He's like Tyree kill fast, and you know he, he's killing these defenses off jet sweeps and stuff. You know he he's. You know, we mentioned a lot how important Elijah Mitchell is to the San Francisco 49ers team. Debo Samuel is that good. And listen, his quarterback play has not been significant this year, right? It's been wishy-washy. Jimmy G had a really good back half, but, you know, there's been a lot of uncertainty. But Debo Samuel continues to find himself towards the top. As far as, like, total yardage and stuff, yards from scrimmage, Debo's pretty much up there. All yeah. right. Don't have the you know his combined rushing and receiving stats, uh, but he's good. He's a he's a he's a monster, and uh, they they Kyle Shanahan knows how to use him well. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that it is one of the most creative offensive you know offenses that I've seen when Debo's out there, and they do a good job. So yeah, Debo
1: number five yeah I'm just trying to find his rushing' he's got receiving here we go here we go let's see well that's also receiving passing kick return fumbles NFL.com, I don't like the way you break up your site it's very confusing <laughs> yeah. you no know, he he clearly um was was near two thousand yards all purpose yeah, so phenomenal first year okay, these next four are super easy. So easy to line up. Now, I think one is unanimous. And then I think two through four is where it's a little tricky and where you want to line them up. So I'm going to go with a guy um, who missed out on the playoffs and it's not his fault, but Justin Jefferson with 1600 yards in his second season. Um, I don't even, like, so if you listen to Processing the Process, which I need to talk to Ryan about. We haven't actually talked about you. <laughs> yeah, it's almost back.
0: that time. It's almost I that know,
1: time. I know. We're so close. Um, so Justin Jefferson in last year's draft class was the guy that I kept coming back to, and I said, I like him. I think I want to put him number one. I chickened out, own up to it. I didn't put him as my number one wide receiver, and I've regretted it ever since because – of all of his effort and how fun he is. Like, like we, like Debo Samuel, like a big kid, dude, Justin Sepperson, like, how could you not root for this dude? When he gets in that end zone, you could just see how, how the excitement he brings to everyone around him to have 1600 yards and only your second season with just Kirk cousins, who is fine. He's fine. Right. But you know, he takes Kirk to levels that I'm sure he would never imagine getting to phenomenal route runner makes amazing catches just he's an all purpose all everything wide receiver line him up wherever you want he's
0: a mismatch absolutely i actually have justin jefferson at number four as well um yeah he's right he's this is now what three no this is second year um two years well over 1,000 yards receiving. Right. Um, like well over. All right. I call, I said last year that I believe he could be the next like Randy Moss. I'm sure if you tell him that he'd be like, no, I want to be the first Justin Jefferson, one of those kind of guys, but, um, to, to, to really perform in, in the way that he has, uh, over the last couple of years. And I, I think relatively highly of Kirk, um, you know when you're in an office with Adam Thielen, who's you know definitely in the back half of his career, and you know the team trades Stephon Diggs and acquires Justin Jefferson. You know that's that's a really good trade off. Um, you know that's almost the equivalent of like when teams jump from like franchise quarterback to franchise quarterback. You went from franchise wide receiver to franchise wide receiver without missing a beat. And you know, this year he was just constantly, constantly getting touchdowns, finding yardage, always making a highlight play. Justin Jefferson at four is is absolutely agreeable.
1: Yeah, he had a, he had eleven hundred yards last year. Yeah, yeah. So this dude just knows how to win already. Um, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Devonte Adams, who I will slide in now. Devontae Adams will probably be. serious? Down. I have him at three as well. I swear to God, me and Brian did not talk about this.
0: No. Um, beforehand.
1: No. It's not even fair with Devontae Adams because he's he's playing with the you know, arguably the best, in a lot of ways, the best quarterback. And he has for many years, and he will hopefully for a few more. I don't want I actually don't want Aaron Rodgers to leave Green Bay because of I don't I don't think Jordan loves any good, but <laughs> no he's okay. He's okay. But Devontae Adams, um he just brings a level of professionalism and attention to detail that is so hard to find. The consistency, season in, season out, game in, game out, down in, down out. The guy gives you a hundred percent every time. And he is a lot of ways the epitome of what it's like to be a Packer. Cause it wasn't like he was a big name coming out of college dudes worked. He's he's molded his, you know, his craft here. He has worked to be this guy and he doesn't take it for granted. Yes. He will break a little bit. He will openly say all the time. He thinks he's the best receiver, but God damn dude, why not say that crap you've earned it with what you've done. So Devonte Adams uh, don't see him slowing down. He's going to be a top three wide receiver until he decides to hang up his cleats. I bet.
0: Yeah, I uh, I highly agree, man. I am a, I love Devonte Adams. Love them every time I've gotten the uh, the opportunity to draft him in fantasy. All right, you know I know that's not the ultimate measuring stick of anything, but he is he's that good. Um, you know he's in an offense where Aaron Rodgers can make superstars out of just about anybody. We've talked about that. But but Adams has has been the one constant, right? For over the last several years, he's been the guy. Ever since um, uh, Jordy Nelson kind of left, it's it's kind of been Devontae Adams, uh, you know, wide out room. That's that's kind of where it's the the trend has been, and he's been absolutely electric in, in that stu- in that place. You know, he he, at, he interchangeable. You know, he he's he, you could probably in any just about any given. Season any given week, whatever have him as a uh, you know a step higher is it two or a one? Like I think like you said beforehand, but yeah, Devontae Adams is number three, and and you know and and again he could be a number one in in I think many people's eyes as well. So,
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, do we have a match on Jamar Chase? I'm gonna guess yes, and that that means we have a match number one as well. (laughs) Well, number one might go down as the best season by a wide receiver ever could be yeah. yeah uh but Jamar Chase to do this as a rookie to have the horrendous preseason he was having remember when he couldn't catch he literally couldn't catch a ball
0: yeah <laughs> there was there was stuff coming out about him from some ex-girlfriend or something and I'm just like oh my god this is not good i had i mean people were skipping over him in fantasy drafts like he was dropping like three, four rounds is just about every draft I did. Mm. And good for the people who ended up picking him up as low as they did. Like what incredible value they got out of him. But yeah, he couldn't, this dude could not catch to save his life. And you know, every, that, then it just finally hit. And it might've been like week, I don't know if it was week one, but it might've been a couple of weeks into the season. And Joe Burrow's just chucking everything his way. And uh, actually I found it pretty funny. Somebody on Twitter said, how bad do you got to feel? If you're a defender, you're trying to chase Jamar chase. And all you see on the bet is you got to ch- is just chase on the back. Yeah. Cause you got to chase him, <laughs> Right. It, it's it, he's, he's, oh, he's so good. Yeah. He's so good. He's just
1: built to be a dominant wide receiver. His stride and how quick his feet are. He can throttle up, throttle down just as well as anyone in the league, and that's why he gets the separation he does. People talked about um, a big knock in him coming out in the draft was that he benefited a lot of playing in such a dominant team, and that's why he was able to have the success in college. And a lot of people looked at his film and said, well, he struggles to get off the line. He's not very physical. And it's like, yeah, but if you've got the feet, like Stefan Diggs, right? Not physical. You look at him. He's not a big guy. Very slight. He doesn't struggle to get off the line. Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman, obviously a slight guy, so a little different. But still, very small. Never struggled to get off the line. There's things you can do at the line of scrimmage as a wide receiver to set yourself up for success. And it's attention to detail. And it's it's understanding your opponent. And Jamar Chase apparently is one of those dudes who can exploit the smallest little deficiencies in a, in a defender and he takes advantage and he can take the top off in a blink of an eye. It's just a different speed. Once once he gets to that second level and he just sees a safety to beat, it's, it's game over. Yeah. And it, and it's really, the, it's if it wasn't for the deep ball, we can all admit that he wouldn't have had the year that he had. I mean, I'm I'm going to look at really plus 40 yards. He had eight, catches of over 40 yards Debo Samuel had nine catches of over 40 yards you know Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson had four and five so as a rookie out of nowhere after having a crap preseason everyone doubting you and made the wrong pick we should have taken a tackle what are we doing Joe Burrows is going to be how is he going to complete a pass from his back you know, that we said that. We we talked about that leading up to the draft of, like, I can't take a white out. I need to make sure my quarterback's on his feet. I watched yeah. him break a leg.
0: Penny Sewell. So we all, we all called, and yeah. we sat there. one You and Matt, I sat there uh, live on Facebook. Like, what? But it made <laughs> sense. Obviously, they, they knew what they were talking about. So yes. they, um, they win. We lose. Yes, 100%. And that automatically leaves Cooper Cup at number one um crazy this dude has been you know he's been pretty dependable over the the you know the last several years right but nothing to this extent you know the rams at, at time of recording the rams play tonight they play arizona and their season could end you know it's possible that their season ends uh in the wild card round but the biggest thing um you know, take away from it is you know what kind of impact that Matthew Stafford had on Cooper cup's career. What a connection you know you don't get too many connections that um that just happen like that like some of these have to grow like from start to finish, or you know what I mean everybody kind of grows into their number one like Matthew Stafford had Calvin Johnson right, and Matthew Stafford had. You know, Golden Tate was, you know, that was one of his better seasons was with the Detroit Lions and Marvin Jones and all these guys. But man, to just get flung into a situation 11 or 12 years in the league at this point and make a connection like that with somebody that, you know, it that just 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 happened. Right. There was a very limited growing period. It was training camp and then boom, it just happened is You know, it speaks volumes to what Matthew Stafford brings to a team. Um, It speaks volumes to the kind of player that Cooper Cup is that he could handle the workload, too. You see a lot of guys who can't handle that workload. I have never, ever, until this year, viewed Cooper Cup as a wide receiver one. All right. Talented guy, no doubt about it. But, you know, I'd always the Rams. are It's so weird with the Rams, too. You know, their wide receiver. A couple of years ago, like, Brandon Cooks was their one. And then Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. But I always kind of viewed Woods as, like, their number one. So, when, mm-hmm. when he started taking off in stats and stuff and, and Stafford was just hitting him for everything, uh, pretty crazy. Happy for him. Absolutely am. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, I hope he has more seasons like that. I really do. Yeah.
1: So... Obviously, I have the same one. We've already said that, but let's just look at how impressive it was. He's number one in receptions. He's number one in receiving yards. He's number one in touchdowns. He's tied for uh, 40 plus yard catches with nine with Devo. He had no one had more 20 plus yard receptions than him. He had 30. And the biggest stat of all of them, he was targeted 191 times. So out of 191 times he caught that ball, 145. That's 75 percent of the time that Matthew Stafford tried to complete a pass to Cooper Cup ended in a completion, and that's happening when you know it's going to him anyways, right? right. It's, it's, yeah, there's not a damn thing. Robert Woods is gone. Like it didn't stop. Even after Robert Woods is out for the year,
0: it didn't stop. Right. We we did a we did some film study with him or on him uh just a couple of weeks ago and they left him wide open. <laughs> they were playing like zone coverage against him. Mm-hmm. And it's like what are you doing? How? Yeah. How do you allow this to happen? But that speaks to how good of a route runner he is. That speaks to how good just just how just yeah, how good he is at, at just being available and uh yeah, what a what a tremendous season. Tremendous mm-hmm. season. All right, our last little list before we head on over to the Losers Club. Uh, the tight ends. All right, the tight ends. And tight ends are tricky, man. Tight ends are, um, you know, it's not really a deep group ever usually. But um, but yeah, we'll do tight ends now. My number five, I'm going to go... I think I can comfortably say this. I'm going to go Dallas Goddard of the no. Eagles. Um. Eagles were a team that I did not believe had any business being in the postseason not at, at all. I do not like the idea of a seventh seed. I have to admit that. I think it's, I think if it's, it's good business for the NFL, but as far as quality of play, I, I no, just no. <laughs> <laughs> both, both seven seeds this past weekend, got, got, uh, you know, Got, got the business. Let's just say that. Anyways, but um, you look at Philadelphia and, you know, what they've drafted over the last couple of years, right? We take a look at Jalen Ragor. No, we all love Jalen Ragor, the guy who was taken one spot ahead of Justin Jefferson. Jalen Regor Philadelphia fans hate Jalen Regor Yeah, he has not done diddly poo. Um, Devonte Smith it was a rookie draft pick this year. Good year. Not a bad year. Could have been a lot better. You know, there's a lot of that goes into that, but um, the one constant this year was Dallas Goddard. All right. His, his blocking ability, not too shabby. His route running is actually really, really good. Um, you know, that it, it was so good that they felt comfortable moving on from Zach Ertz, who was their guy for, for a couple of years. Felt comfortable moving on from him. let's let's pay Dallas. Goddard. it. Let's make him our, our tight end one. So um, Dallas Goddard is my number five. Uh, you know, there's a couple other pieces. you know, people I could have put in here. I thought about putting that Schultz in from. Um, uh, I thought about putting Schultz in from the, the Cowboys. Yep. Uh, Waller didn't make my top five this year based on injury stuff, but there's, you know, there's always a case for him. But uh, I, was, I was pretty comfortable putting Goddard in at number five. Uh, this
1: is where I will have Dalton Schultz. Okay. A very surprising season, and I think it's one that will continue to grow. It's, it's, a, it's a career that's only getting started. The chemistry that him and Dak had, um, Dak utilizing the check down more, understanding how much attention his wide receivers were getting. Dalton Schultz a lot of time was left wide open. And he capitalized. I mean, he capitalized even, you know, this past weekend. He made a big play. And Dalton Schultz is the do-everything well-rounded tight end. He's a good blocker. He understands how to get into space, in the zone. You know, he's a good zone beater. And he gives you maximum effort after catching the ball. I love right. his his effort after the ball's in his hand. It's phenomenal. And I I, I think he's just growing um Every every little every little bit, every game, and it was fun to watch, and it was fun to have as a fantasy player. I'm one of those guys that doesn't ever try and draft a high tight end because I struggle with that. maybe I should do it more often, but Dalton Schultz ended up being my guy in a couple of leagues, and he's uh you know scratching that surface, definitely earned top five, and uh especially in the down year for tight ends, it was a way down year for tight ends, um, just guys struggling to stay on the field offense is just struggling to use them properly and uh yeah number five
0: all right no that's a good one i mean especially too when you consider those weapons right how many how much talent they had at wide receiver and you know it, it for for him to to break out the way he did 800 something yards of receiving I, I think he had eight or 700 something like that
1: yeah he had 78 catches 808 yards
0: and eight touchdowns not too bad not too bad all right, my number four, this is where I'm going to put Gronk. i want to put Gronkowski. Who would have thought we'd see Gronk at the top of a, of a tight end list anytime soon? Not, you know, obviously not one of his better career years as far as yardage goes, but, um, you know, in a day of – or a, a year of fluctuation for the Tampa Bay offense, you know, how great was it to see – it was, like, cool to see, like, Brady and Gronk doing it together on another team, right? Hitting them. Gronk was – you know, when he – he had a, a lot of injury. You know, there's a lot of injury game, you know, games where he was injured, he was hurt. But um, but man, when Brady needed him to step up, he did. And was a very welcomed asset to this team in the second half of the season. You know, when you lose Chris Godwin, when you lose um when you lose, you know, Antonio Brown strips damn near butt naked on the field. And and Brady, you know, Brady took care of him. Brady took care of him, right? He got him his incentives, all that stuff. He took good care of him. So I'm gonna put Gronk at number four. Okay.
1: Uh Gronk will not make my list. Number four, I'll put my boy <clears throat> Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox um is the That's a good one. It's the typical progression of a of a tight end coming out of college. It takes a while to put it all together unless you're really something special. It takes a while because there's so many responsibilities and you're you're half you spend half the time in the offensive line room um in the classroom and then you spend the other half of the wide receivers and you know you you do both and you're relied on for both and Dawson doesn't have the numbers that the other guys on the list. Heck, he definitely doesn't even have the numbers that Dalton Schultz does. But the number where it does show up, and it's something that is called uh, clutchability. This man is clutched on the stretch lately for the Bills. He had a phenomenal game this past weekend. Just there is no answer for him. That first touchdown, I don't know if you heard the clip, but they asked Josh Allen about it. He said he was trying to throw it out of the end zone. And Dawson said, "Nah, I'm 6'4". I, I can go get this thing." And he did. He climbed the ladder, brought it down. After the first two years, you know, three years really, I guess, he looked like he he pissed off so many Bills fans. He was always in the doghouse, dropping balls, not reliable. Flipped the script. Guy went to that tight end school this year. The tight end, the Kennedy. You know what I mean? That um, so Kelsey, does Kelsey run? He's one of the biggest guys there. Um, but yeah,
0: like, I think Kelsey's is a big part of it.
1: Yeah, uh, he helped big time. And um, maybe next year he's higher on those lists.
0: But for now, uh, he's four. I like it. I like it. That's a good spot. Um, number three, I'm going to put Kittle. Yeah, I'm going to put Kittle. Nice rebound year. Another dependable target like San Francisco. Like, man, if they had a, a top-notch quarterback, Jesus, that's team. Is, <laughs> it's a scary thought to think we're what that team would be. You know, if they had a guy who's a little bit more prolific in passing, um, but Kittle finds a way to get it done. Kittle finds a way to get it done year in year out. He coming back from injury this past year. And um, yeah, he, he, he just finds a way he finds a way. So Kittle at number three, uh, pretty comfortably. I I was a little nervous taking him uh, in fantasy this year, but he ended up, you know, being pretty, pretty damn good. So.
1: So i to stay on the field again. Um, injuries have been a big issue with that guy down the stretch here. Feel bad for him because he, he's such a good dude. He's the heart and soul of that team. You know, it, he he brings that physicality that so many other tight ends or teams wish their tight end had. You know, he's willing to just lay it down and just smash a dude. You know, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I will put... Man, it's getting tough here. Um All right, I will put. um, I have a problem with Kelsey because he just—he's like a unicorn. (laughs) You know what I mean? I get it. There's no tight ends like him. Uh, he shows up on the top of the list here with like, um, legit elite wide receivers. So, I'm trying to find a good comparison. All right, I'll put I'll put Gronk here. Let's put Gronk here at 3. What he's doing at his age to be as reliable as he is. He's still one of the smartest tight ends. Yes, he's a lunkhead. Yes, he's a meathead. You know, he he has a terrible commercial of USAA where I love it. I commercial. don't know why you,
0: I know why you guys hate it so much, but I love it. it. It's
1: terrible. I, it's a terrible commercial.
0: It's hilarious.
1: It was the first five times maybe I watched it. After
0: that, it's like ugh. Uh,
1: no, but he, um, he, he'll never say it. In fact, like on Manning, like the Manning cast, he remember he said like, I don't even watch film, guys. He's lying. You know that's all. It's an act. That dude didn't get to where he was and be Brady's number one reliable option if he didn't watch film. If he didn't you know, learn and, 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 uh, understand how to beat defenses as well as he does. So Gronk, uh, you're not fooling me, buddy. Uh, you're more than just a good athlete. You, you're, you understand how to play the position and how to get
0: open. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad you ended up having, (laughs) glad you ended up having Gronk on the list eventually. Yeah. He's, he's, He's yeah, he's good. I was looking um, at Pat Fryer but I just I saying. thought about Fryer muth I couldn't pull the trigger. No, it, it was tough. It was tough. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um number two is where I'm gonna put Kelsey. Okay. All right, a little bit of a down year with him as well.
1: A down year with eleven hundred yards
0: receiving. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he just he didn't seem like that guy. Right he didn't seem like that dude this year, and that's it's still not like an issue at all um yeah yeah he uh Kelsey's still still pretty good, but there was just one person I had to have above him, so um yeah, Kelsey's great, Kelsey's fantastic, um doing Travis Kelsey things, and yeah, I'm comfy with him at number two.
1: I will also put Kelsey here, and it's only because um number one. Became such an integral part of his team that he doubled as the number one wideout and the number one tight end. Uh, you know, you still have Tyreek Kill and Pringle and the running backs and stuff. So it's not the cover is not completely bare in uh, Kansas City when when thinking of their playmakers. Travis Kelsey ends up with ninety two catches, great year, eleven hundred yards, great year, nine touchdowns, great year. He just rinse and repeat, man. That's all he does. The, the guy's a unicorn. Uh, I hate that we have to play him again this year. <laughs> Pittsburgh could have done something, but they're trash. So yeah, number two, uh Kelsey. And I, I'm guessing we have a match at number one. I think so. Mark Andrews. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um Jesus. I mean, what a stud what a stud this guy is at, at, at his job. Uh, You know, I never, I know that it wasn't intended to be this way, but uh, when it comes to the, you know, when it comes to the Ravens uh, and their lack of help at wide receiver, you know, Mark Andrews has been clutch, right? Guys frequently catching bombs. Like, you know, I remember to think back to the Colts game against the Ravens and, you know, Lamar's just chucking it up to him and he's getting stuff done. Just getting stuff done. So uh Andrews is really, really good. Big vertical threat and uh got some he's got some speed to him. Good route runner, not too shabby as well in the in the blocking game. Yeah. I, I literally I really like what Andrews brings to the table, man. And uh he's he's special. He's he's definitely the most consistent piece here and and that in that Ravens offense where their wide receiver game is so underwhelming their passing game is so underwhelming Andrews is frequently uh, put up numbers
1: yes you everything you said I will double stamp and say all of those things and then I will add on that losing wide receivers losing running backs losing your quarterback down the stretch, Mark Andrews was still that dude. And I remember, I think it was a Pittsburgh game. Um, they couldn't they could not stop him. I remember one time they were literally bracketing him, double teaming him, sending two guys on him, and he was just going up and beating both guys. Yeah. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter. So he ends up with hundred and seven yard or hundred and seven catches, thirteen hundred yards, nine touchdowns, phenomenal year. And then add on the fact that the guy was targeted hundred and fifty-four times and then it's brought in, you know, 107. That's almost 70% completion when targeting Mark Andrews with nothing else around him, you know. They have n- no real passing offense without him and in a lot of ways he was an MVP candidate in that way, just like Jonathan Taylor would be for the Colts. I Mark think so. Andrews, yeah, Mark Andrews was the MVP of the Ravens, especially their offense.
0: Yeah, I, I would definitely, I would definitely have to agree with that. But, um, there it is everybody. There's our lists. All right. We got a little list underway. Let's, uh, let's get some loser club underway. How about it? Who are we starting off with?
1: Well, we'll start, uh, higher up. Uh, we'll go from worst to best. If you want to call them the best. So we'll start with Denver. Denver Denver's the first team. We'll oh, about. Jesus Christ. They finished seven and 10 on the year. Um, not a good year at all. Their, no. Their coach gets fired. Their uh, GM gets fired, right? Like, they have to restock everything. Yeah. And that's okay. Because did their think, GM get
0: fired? I thought I thought so. You might be right. Now I have to go to my notes from last week. I thought they just hired a GM because Elway was kind of like the, the self-appointed GM. Um, I can't recall.
1: Head coach and GM. No, that was for the Vikings. Broncos. Just head coach. You're right. You're right. My bad.
0: Nice save. Nice save.
1: Vic Fangio out. Uh, not his fault. None of this is his fault. He punted in a horrible situation, but I don't think that was gonna save him anyways. You know, to, to punt uh, with with uh what five yards to go and you're at midfield in a game that doesn't matter, but at the same time it would be nice if you won your last game of the year at least try to and he was not about it so he gets tossed and he was a defensive minded coach and in my opinion Matt I'm, I think you'll probably
0: agree with me uh defense was good right they had a good defense Defense was fine yeah defense yeah. was not an issue at all yeah they might have ranked out top 10 uh but they I there was never really any a warrior concern for me on the defensive side mm-hmm. uh yeah, their offense needs hella help. I, I don't know. I mean, how could this team not figure it out since since Manning? Like, nobody can't draft a quarterback to save their life, can't sign a free agent quarterback to save their life, can't make a trade to save their life. Uh, Jesus. I mean, yeah. Uh, they have some pieces, man. They do have some, like, really good pieces. We talked about Javante Williams uh you know, before and Melvin Gordon, who's having a rebound and, and, you know, some of these wide receivers, I don't care for Cortland Sutton, but I think Jerry Judy, when healthy might be all right. I'm a little over him, but, uh but yeah, I, I they need a quarterback and they need somebody like the, they can't float around with the case Keenum's and Teddy Bridgewater's of the world anymore. Right. They have to go and get somebody and they haven't had, they really haven't had anybody. It's been, Elway, it was in Peyton and some guys in between. Jake Plummer, Jake Cutler, uh, you know those guys just in between. And you you, you can't win games like that. Tim Tebow. You can't win games like that. You can't win games like that.
1: I, I mean, I one hundred percent. What I think they need to do is flip the script on the head coach philosophy and go offense. So you know, go after the enemy go after dable, go after whoever you think you can get into the building to help capitalize on what you thought were good draft choices in the, at to begin with. I don't think the reason that these guys aren't succeeding on the football field is due to a lack of talent on an individual basis. I just think it's a lack of cohesion. Like they don't they don't see they don't they're never on the field at the same time. I remember last year, and obviously we're talking this year, but last year was like all right, well, Cortland Sutton's out the whole year. Okay, well, then Jerry Judy gets her. Okay, well, then Noah Fan gets her. Okay, and it's just like, how are you ever going to build anything if no one's ever on the field at the same time? And that gets me back to you need a head coach that understands how to um, implement practice strategies and things to better condition or something like that. Something's going on, in that, and I think that if they bring in a guy that's more innovative, um, you can help by mitigating – the kind of hits that guys take, you know what I mean? De- depending on your offense, you know, you can scheme up things to get the ball in your quarterback's hands quicker. In a lot of ways, I would like to see them completely um, chase the, the current quarterback and go after a guy that can really move, man. Get a guy that can really get out and make plays and Tyler Huntley, you know what I mean? Oh, God, yeah. You know, like go out and get a guy like that to bring some juice into this offense and double down with an offensive coordinator that you bring in to make you make your head coach. I think the defense can survive on its own just based on the talent they have there. Now it's time to flip it. And typically that's what happens anyways. Right. When when head coaches get fired, you you often go the opposite route. Typically
0: speaking. Yes, you try to. Um, Yeah, I. I don't know if Denver's ever going to be good again. And <laughs> it, 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 like, and this may sound dramatic. Um, that may sound a little dramatic, but I, John Elway is not a good executive. In my opinion, I don't think he understands. He understands how to play, like play football, obviously smart, but as far as getting people, the right people, front office, people, people on, you know, on field, it's, it's not been his forte. It's, it's, it has not been his forte um, to kind of get there. I mean, legit, they have not made a like a splash move in, in a long time. Their quarterback play has been very, very vanilla since, you know, Peyton retired. And even then, right, it, he wasn't a homegrown talent. Peyton wasn't a homegrown talent. He was established. This team has not had a homegrown talent quarterback to do something special since probably Elway. Like, that's how long it's been. You know? And just their, their their choices at quarterback have just been so, so vanilla. And I, I don't I don't know. You know, the the, the uh Tyler Huntley idea is phenomenal, but does Denver have the are they gonna put the right executives, the right coaches, the right coordinators in place to to fully utilize them? I don't know. Right. You know, that's that's the big question. Um you know, right now in that regard. It's and who else is there? This this quarterback market is thin this year. It's not going to be easy to move off of a guy. You have to, you know, it, to, to well to, to gather a guy. The free agency sucks. You know, those guys who are going to be up for trade, like Jimmy G, is going to be one up for trade. I can definitely see maybe Jimmy G landing in a Denver, landing in a Denver. Excuse me. Um, I feel like Kirk Cousins is going to be up there for trade at some point this year. Yeah, there's going to be guys up for trade. Um, but what is Denver willing to give up? That's the thing, because right yeah, now they, the QB situation, it man, they,
1: they have a very low cost to go out and get Teddy Bridgewater.
0: Right, it, it, that's been their th- thing. They, they went out, and they got Joe Flacco, and and you know they 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 sent a bunch of money to Case Keenum, but yeah, t- Teddy Bridgewater was was what a third round pick, maybe third fourth round pick, maybe that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's honestly the quarterback. It starts off at the quarterback position. I know it's easy to just come out here and say that every time we talk about a team that needs to get their shit straight. But it's legitimately the quarterback position that Denver like needs. And they're and they're a playoff team. They were almost won this year. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else to really add on to Denver. I mean, no, I think draft wise, you're not. They're not going to take it. Why would you take another like a, a subpar quarterback? in yep. the draft bolster the defense you got to get that back up to you know just keep restocking that and yeah
1: i think they're a good drafting team whoever that gm is that did not get fired apparently <laughs> um i can't i don't know it off the top of my head but um you know taking patrick sertan was an am- was a brilliant pick it was so smart it was just sit there let the best player fall to you and bam take him yeah and now you have a guy that looks like he could be an all pro like give give him give them more pieces on that side of the field, and Patrick Sertain could have the kind of season that we just saw. You know, Diggs have. You know, you you could see him putting pulling down nine interceptions in a season. So. Absolutely. Draft wise, they'll, they'll they'll definitely be out of the the quarterback chase. They should not trade for any of these guys right now. None of these feel like a real confident bet to go and trade your assets to go and get. So I I, I bet they just sit back and take best player available. Picking a top ten, you'll get a good dude. At least you should. Um, so they're probably gonna be stuck in purgatory, Matt.
0: <laughs> probably. They they're 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 a team that just wins just enough. That they win just enough, usually, and when they don't win enough the the pieces that they need are not there mm-hmm. so
1: uh so next we got Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings finished eight and nine on the year, and then they uh asked Zimmer and they asked Rick Spielman to kindly step down, and they obliged. And now they have a eighty million dollar quarterback with one of his the biggest cap hits left this year coming up. I think he's supposed he's due like thirty million dollars, and I don't think you can get out of it (laughs) because they did the fully gear the first ever fully guaranteed contract. Uh, So Kirk Cousins will, in my opinion, definitely be their quarterback this year, maybe even going forward. Because I don't know how you find
0: someone that's definitively better than him. Right, and and like like I said, I mean Kirk is when it comes to pay, he's not like this electric personality. All right, but he's actually he's a pretty damn efficient quarterback. He makes bad mistakes when you know uh, he he has made some mistakes when the game is on the line. Uh, when a game is on the line, not a great fourth quarter drive kind of person, like just take control and win it. But I mean, you look at the, the you know the rest of the team offensively it's been pretty sound. But the defense has been really, really bad. It's been really, really bad. Um so, you know, what do you what do you do from here? They they, they did stock up. They, they they got some Oh, excuse me. They got some pieces for the defense. Oh God. Um got some pieces for the defense to kind of restock, you know, help get it back on track, but it just it just was not enough. Uh, you know, there's new head coach that they, they get, whoever it is, is is to be this very passionate and fiery guy, you know, to really just be something because the, the Vikings have not felt like, I don't know, like teams just have this aura about them and I have not felt anything out of the Vikings in several years. They've just felt like another team they remind me of like when I forgot that the 49ers were actually still in the NFL, like when I was in fifth grade, that's what they remind me of. They're just kind of there, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. The problem to me isn't that quarterback. They have an above a top, a top 15 quarterback. in in my opinion, in the NFL right now, that's enough to win that that's, that's enough to win as a top 15 quarterback. You have a top five running back. Top ten in some instances, but a top five stat lead and running back, you have a top five wide receiver. Offensive line might be able to use a little work. That's that could be an issue. Um, but it, it to me it's 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 about who you get in, who you get in, who you bring into this this team, and you know what how do they how do they perceive this team? What can they do with these great pieces that are already in play?
1: mm mm-hmm. Well, they they need to find a way of getting to be better than Green Bay, and you're not going to do that by being better at quarterback. But well, you may be able to do that by getting better at defense and bringing in a new off uh, defensive-minded coach. Uh, obviously, Zimmer was, and their defense at, at times, maybe not fully during this year, but at times during his reign as head coach, were pretty good. They weren't awful, awful. They were pretty. You know, they got good pieces here and there. They, you know, Harrison at safety and. You know, um, trying to think of um, some of their edge rushers that have been good throughout the years, and so yeah, they've got pieces. They need to figure out a way though to be able to compete with the Packers because the the Lions are probably still conservative conservatively another year or two away. You know, if they made the playoffs next year, I would be totally shocked. But you know, the competitive, and you know, the Bears are now looking for a new head coach as well, and. They're gonna to look to be more competitive. So I, I think um whatever they do at head coach, you're you you already nailed it. They need to find some excitement, some somebody that's gonna get them uh ready to be that fiery team on Sundays that I thought they were gonna get with Zimmer. He was the head coach for years, like the candidate that everyone talked about for years. You know, hanging in Cincinnati and it's like, when's he going to get his shot? When's he going to get his shot? He finally did. Got him to the playoffs a couple of times, had some memorable moments. Obviously, we just celebrated the um, Minneapolis Miracles just a couple of days ago. It's anniversary. Yeah. You know, he's, he wasn't a terrible head coach, but it, they faced facts, which is we're not ready to compete with Green Bay. And that's what this is all about. It's about winning the division. It's yep. what you got to do. So, I find a new head coach to instill some energy into that organization. Uh, as far as draft goes, Matt, um, we already talked about it. It's not, it's not quarterback. They're going to ride and die with Kirk Cousins for now, I would, I would imagine. So I actually think that the, the biggest thing they need to do is target a guy that can give the offense more opportunities. So find a guy in the draft uh, that can create turnovers to get the ball back. More possessions is the key here give kirk more chances to score touchdowns figure out find a guy that can get the ball back to the offense and uh, put the pressure back on them because it's been too passive it really has they've been a lot of bend but, but don't break which can work in the league you know that some of the best defense in the league can do that from game in game out but you at some point you need to break the, the offense of the opposing team and get that ball back. Correct. That's, that's what I think they need to do. They need to target a guy that will best uh, give them a chance of creating turnovers, um, whether it's that safety that's coming out of Notre Dame Hamilton. He's phenomenal. Um, They're not going to have a chance at one of these top two pass rushers, but they're now it's looking like there may be like three or four guys were taken in the top 15. So, you know, sitting at 12, take a pass rusher, a guy that can get after the quarterback, you know, that that's always good. Um, maybe one of these rangy linebackers, you know, the they've tried um, with um, uh, Kendricks, you know, in the middle, and he's had good times and bad times. Like, I, I've seen him be a complete non-entity for that defense, and then other games, he's had phenomenal games where he's been everywhere. So, if it's something like that, that would make a lot of sense, too.
0: No, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, it's got to be defense for the draft for them. Defense-heavy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So now we got two
1: AFC North teams back-to-back. The Cleveland Browns are at 13 in the draft. They also finished 8-9. and Uh, Stefanski seems like a safe. They're going to bring him back. Uh, Biggest decision, Matt, uh, one that we haven't had a chance to talk about really at any sort of length to pick up the fifth year option on Baker
0: or not. Yeah. Cuz right this this is this was their fourth year, right? Yeah. I think because of the way that the quarterback market is, you have to take it right now. I think and they already said that they would. They they already said that they would. Um and I I actually agree with them. I think if the free agent market was and and maybe you know, possible trade candidates were a little bit better. I'd be like Cleveland, that's a silly move. But you have to look at the at everything, what's going on um around them. And I think you're almost obligated to pick up a fifth year option. Now that doesn't mean a full blown extension. Mm-hmm. You're giving Baker another chance to prove himself, hopefully a little bit healthier. Um you know and, and we can't forget that he just came off a pretty decent year uh in 2020. Like, you know, he was trending upwards and then, you know, the injury started to mount and and, and whatnot. But I I think you have to take, you know, the fifth year option pickup was was fine. It was smart uh, on Cleveland's part to do it. Um, They'd be fine with just a case Keenum. I don't think there's that much of a difference, you know, with uh, uh, between between. You know, a Case Keenum and Baker Mayfield. I, I I really don't even at this point in Case's career, but um, but yeah, I, I'm fine with a fifth year option for Baker.
1: Okay. I'm I'm with you on that. It's it's very similar to Kirk Cousins, which is tell me who you're going to improve. Who who are you bringing in a quarterback that definitively is going to be a better quarterback than what you already have? And I just don't know where you find that guy. Right. So, I think the. We already t- talked about it um, when we were talking about some of our quarterback rankings and wide receiver rankings. They didn't have a lot on offense uh, besides Nick Chubb. No. You already, already said this. No, not,
0: not even close.
1: And, and one thing that's kind of weird, and I would never tell teams that they need to be thinking about their region and, and where their fan base exists. But the fact that they don't tap into Ohio State as much as they could for the draft—I mean, you're talking about somebody that played football 40 minutes down the road. You know, they're just—they're right there, and you have so many Browns fans that are die-hard Buck Buckeye fans. So that gets me to what they should do in the draft. To sitting at 13, dude, you should take one of these Ohio State wideouts, yeah, for sure. There's nothing that you need to do at cornerback. There's nothing you have to do at edge rusher. There's nothing you have to do at linebacker. There's so many pieces on that defense. You don't have to think about it at all. But you have Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's okay. He's probably a good three, maybe four. You don't have a one. You traded away a one. You traded away a guy that could be your one that just didn't work in your offense. So now you need to find that guy. And uh, my favorite for that offense is uh, Chris Olave, wide out from Iowa State. Okay. You've heard me say his name before. I have, yes. He's a do-it-all wide receiver. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up out wide. And that's a kind of hybrid guy that this offense is missing. You have Jarvis Landry, who can operate completely out of the slot and dominate game in, game out a lot of times. Besides that, I can't think of anyone they can slide in at the slot that I would feel comfortable with that I would be excited about. So that's what this expected. You need that the the Browns need more excitement
0: on offense. Correct. You know, they they did a good job this past offseason addressing the defensive issues. Getting like on paper, it's actually a really good defense. Like really not too shabby at all. But yeah, offensively, they're just they're vanilla. You know, you have this you're tied to this Austin Hooper contract, which is terrible. He has not panned out at all. He capitalized off one good season in Atlanta, literally one good season in Atlanta mm-hmm. and got a gotten was the highest paid tight end for a, a hot minute. Um, And he's not producing. It's literally it is literally Nick Chubb versus everybody. All right. You know, Jarvis Landry has not been a wide receiver one, a true wide receiver one in probably five years. Yeah. Probably he's, you know, he's, he has good games. He has but good games, good stretches. But if you look at production, if you look at even just his name value, it doesn't scream. Like, like I don't go to like when I went to Cleveland to watch the, the, the Colts play last year, 2020, there's not people in Jarvis Landry jerseys <laughs> walking around everywhere. It's just, it's, it's not how it is so you need a little bit more excitement you know Mm -hmm. and you got to get some people who can help out Baker Mayfield if he's your guy if if you think he can be your guy if he's the guy who is the quarterback who has helped turn this franchise from piss poor mediocre to um, playoff appearance contender all that stuff you need to help him out and Jarvis Landry is not the answer no
1: uh The Baltimore Ravens now.
0: This is tricky. Very similar situation
1: in that you have a quarterback who lacks weapons around him. You lost your running backs. You lost a lot of your wide receivers down the stretch. You did draft uh, Bateman. We shot Bateman. Great pick last year in the draft, but he was hurt. You don't know what you got out of him. You got a Mark Andrews. And, um, you know, you got um, Marquise Brown, who is, is—he's, you know what? He had a better year than I thought he was going to have this year. But uh, there's nothing you can do on defense that other than just bringing guys back healthy. Like, I think they're fine there. They got a great head coach. I'll always stand for John Harbaugh. Yeah, I think, th- I think the too. guy is exactly what you want as a head coach. Um, he's demanding, but he's understanding at the same time. He's like a perfect combination of players coach. And yeah, absolutely. is, yes. yeah. Absolutely. So, yes. You're running the back of Lamar. Obviously you're going to, you already picked up his fifth year option. You're going to be working on a long-term contract. They're still 100% behind him. It seems like they're going to hold on to Greg Roman at, at offensive coordinator, which <sighs> if you ask our friend, Bryce Benjamin uh, about that, he'll, lose his damn mind yes. because he's so tired of him which I get I get yeah in a lot of ways it's kind of holding back Lamar because you're you're pigeonholing him you're 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 kind of forcing him into that box which if you actually want him to compete you you need to take out some of the training wheels here and let the guy play a real pro offense.
0: Right. I think I think he can. I, yeah. I'm concerned about Lamar. Sure. Especially this last what quarter of the season? Mm-hmm. I'm concerned about the long longevity of Lamar Jackson. This is, these are the kind of injuries that we always say to watch out for, right? Ankle injuries, right? That's what he was dealing with this last part of the season. Yep. When you're a mobile quarterback and those leg injuries start, start adding on, right? Look at, look at, look at Kyler Murray this year, yeah. right? Ankle injuries. Kyler Murray is not the same quarterback he was in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, right? These ankle injuries are so concerning. You know, this lower leg. he missed the half, like I think what the last half, maybe probably last quarter of the season, roughly Lamar did. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Lamar missed a considerable amount of time this year when his team needed him most, he was unavailable. All right. You know, if you're the Ravens, how do you pull, how do you, how do you commit starter quarterback money in 2022, you know, 2021, 2022 to a guy who's, you know, the, the injury hit, that injury is starting to creep up, right? And he had his MVP year, his, his second year, 2019, electric year, fantastic year. He had his MVP year. But uh, since then, What have you done for me lately? Very much so. Very much so. You know, it, it's it 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 falls to that. And listen, I know we've gone back and forth on our opinions with Lamar Jackson on the show. All right. I don't I don't want to see him fail. But we've seen this kind of this we've seen this thing before. We've seen it and we try to deny it every single time. Really good mobile quarterback. And the injuries start to pile up, missing extended amounts of time. Um I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I, I am concerned for Lamar Jackson. Other than that, though, this defense, which is you know, the defense, the running game, which is mostly banged up this year. If all these guys come back, I, I think they'll be fine. I think they can they can go to the postseason with Lamar Jackson under center, but mm-hmm. everybody's got to be healthy. Everybody's got to be healthy. That is the biggest thing. Um for this team is everybody has to be healthy. Um, I really like that Tyler Huntley. I, I don't know what his situation is going forward, but I really like him. I think he schemes well in that offense. I think he's a better passer than Lamar. I do. And a lot of people will disagree with me about that, but I do think he's a better pass than Lamar mm-hmm. and his run. You know, he, he doesn't commit to the run. You know, quit, like he's not like looking for the run, but when he has to hit it, he hits it. He can turn the burners on and go. And, you know, that that's a plus. I feel like Huntley in that style of offense with Greg Roman with maybe a little bit of grooming could be the guy. But I don't want it. There's a lot of people who think that's very far fetched considering that Lamar just won MVP two years ago.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you. Stats are stats for a reason, and it's something that we go off of. So, he he missed six games this year. Um, He had about his average of completion percentage of 64, uh, a far less, not far less, but, you know, only 2,800 yards passing. But, you know, in 12 games, it's pretty decent. But it's his highest interception so far in his career was this season, 13. It was 16 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. It was not good. He had his most sacks
0: this year. He took thirty eight sacks. Their offensive line went through some changes. Yeah, they definitely went through some changes. They they, they got, got rid of guy. one of the guys too, right? One of the guys got hurt early in the season, mm-hmm. and they traded away one of them to the the other one of the was it the Chiefs. Oh, and the yeah,
1: and uh, the lead up to the draft,
0: yeah,
1: Orlando Brown. Yes, right. yes. And he's playing pretty well. So, ride or die with Lamar. How do you make it work? Well, reinvesting like you just did in the offensive line makes sense. You need maulers to run this offense. You need guys that are going to punish people down the stretch because it's really the fourth quarter where this kind of an offense takes off. When you've played three full quarters already and you've, you've beaten guys with the run over and over and over again, by that fourth quarter, that D-line is shot, man. They are whipped. Those linebackers are whipped, especially from having to chase Lamar over the place. So if you're going to make this offense work and you and Lamar is still going to be your guy or even Tyler Huntley, uh, I think that they need to reinvest in the identity that really is them, which is you need to lead the league in, Rush attempts. Yeah. You need to lead the league in yards per carry. They did not do that this year. In fact, my Buffalo Bills, I believe, had even a better um, rush per carry average. And that was with, you know, Devin Singletary, who nobody apparently wants. So, uh, biggest thing, obviously, for them going into next year, get healthy, man. I couldn't think of another awful way to start a year than the way they started this year. Just what well, they had put two running backs in IR before they even hit the two running backs pieces. on
0: IR cornerbacks on IR. Yeah. I, I'm very curious as to what their, their full roster, like I'd have to look at their full on injury report from, from this past year. It may, it's either, it either it's either even with San Francisco last year well, it's, but it's worse than San Francisco last year.
1: Yeah. Uh, there is. So there's looking towards the draft for them. There's one name that I would love to fall to them. And it's weird to say that this position you would need it to fall, but he is one of the hottest names in the draft. Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa center, right? You don't see centers go in the top 10 very often. No, but if there's going to be a time for it, it's this dude. Cause there isn't bad tape on him. He runs with that reckless abandonment, that just tenacity that you're going to want if you're a Ravens fan. So if he's there at 13, which could happen, it could happen. It's, it's hard to predict an offensive lineman like that. You don't normally see interior guys go very high. Quentin Nelson, obviously, is the last guy to go very high. And yeah. look how that's worked out. Phenomenal. Yeah. So Linderbaum is very much in the same category of just a guy that really can't take your offensive line to a new level. Um, so that's, that's the offensive side. And then um, I, I would say that they're probably in need of, of going after cornerbacks again. I, I really do think that they need to reinvest in their cornerback depth and you know, J- Jimmy um, Ward, who was their starting outside guy that didn't handle this year to work. I'm having a brain fart. Been a long day, but (laughs) um, you know they they did they they struggled at the depth of their cornerback. Um, I think at thirteen they'll be in range of taking, if not the first cornerback, the second cornerback off the board, and they're gonna roll this thing back again because they know they know what we just talked about, which is there's no almost zero chance that you have these kind of injuries again. Right. It it was just insane.
0: Yeah, it was completely fluky. Completely fluky. But all right, everybody, there it is. That is our episode. We should be back to film study next week. Uh, weather permitting, of course. But uh, yeah, we want to throw a little little fun one together, make up for some uh, lost time with um, lost time with the losers club. And yeah, just just shoot the shit a little bit. But that is it, everybody. Thank you so much. Of course, plenty more uh, two point podcast this week. Discussion topics tomorrow uh divisional round preview and trivia game trivia another uh, two point does trivia on Thursday and of course some more NFL history on Friday. We're gonna cover Joe Thomas for that episode. Um should be a lot of fun. All right. So make sure you stay tuned with us. Tell a friend share an episode. Appreciate you. Oh Brian's got his hand raised. Uh
1: I don't normally do this, uh, but please if you get a moment uh go over to your favorite streaming uh app for all your podcasts and find these guys don't know bleep uh that bleep would be uh, shit that's it and uh Matt was <laughs> my first guest on my new podcast and uh go check it out uh we had a lot of fun recording it uh hopefully Absolutely. you
0: enjoy listening it was a good time yeah so what the the the, the premise of the show is Brian is going to um And don't ever be afraid to plug your stuff on here. Don't ever be afraid. Um, Brian is going to take people who want to learn a specific, you know, skill ability, want to try something out. And he's going to go find an expert and they're going to talk about it and learn how it all goes. And I wanted to learn how to cook. I do not have culinary talent. I can heat up a hot pocket like a motherfucker, but I cannot, I cannot cook anything. And uh, him and his, his friend, chef uh, Shea, taught me how to cook a nice restaurant-style steak meal, and it was delicious. And, oh, man, I'm still, like, salivating about it. It was really, really good. So please go check it out. Episode 1 just dropped this uh, uh, yesterday. Definitely yesterday, yesterday morning. So make sure you go check it out. You can find it on BICBP-radio.com, as well as Apple, Spotify, uh, Amazon. or well, Apple soon, but uh, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Play or Google Podcast. So check it out. And that is a wrap, everybody. Thank you so much. Now we have for Brian and I. Till next time, the two point conversation is good.